It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today's episode is coming to you on Memorial Day. So I hope you had an awesome weekend. But I also hope you might have taken a little bit of time to remember why this day is important, why this weekend is important. And that is so that way we can remember uh, and pay our respects to all of those who have fought and died and paid the ultimate sacrifice. So that way we have the amazing freedoms that we're blessed to have in this country. So, you know, so that way Brandon and I can sit up here and talk about whatever we want to talk about. So uh, again, hopefully you had an awesome weekend, but hopefully uh, you took a little time to think about that kind of thing too. So uh, today's episode actually is a listener question. So uh, we appreciate Owen for leaving us a question in the form of, re- of a review. Owen is a first year PT student finishing up his first year at the University of South Carolina, and I was lucky enough to be Owen's TA. So uh, we really appreciate this question, and it's about working with an older population. So this episode has a ton of great information, great content. I think it's really going to help uh, all of you out there that are practicing or all of the students that are you know starting to go out into the clinic. So I uh, really think you're going to enjoy it. But if you haven't already, please take a few seconds, leave us a review, uh, rate and review the podcast, subscribe. It's how we reach more people, but it's also how we get topics like this. So uh, if you have something that you want us to talk about, don't be afraid to go on there, leave us a question, or you can send it through us, uh, to us through Instagram. Uh, again, we really appreciate when we get uh, questions from our listeners. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today, Brandon and I are answering a listener's question. We love getting questions from you guys. It helps um, let us know what you want to hear. And so uh, we really thank you, Owen, for leaving this review. Owen is a first-year PT student at the University of South Carolina. I was lucky enough to be a TA for for a couple of his classes. So uh, Owen left a great question that asked us, um, What types of exercise and programming modifications do you do for patients or clients that are in the middle age to old, thinking 50s to 70s age group, especially if there is osteoarthritis or other degenerative bone issues that are symptomatic? So again, Owen, thank you for the question. And Brandon, where do you want to start with this one? Yeah, that's a really great question, Owen. I appreciate that. Uh, Again, to echo uh, Josh's sentiments there, but we're talking advanced arthritis, bone-on-bone contact. These are people that are going to be stiff and lacking a ton of range of motion, and you're just not going to be able to get it back no matter how much you mow it, stretch it, kneel it, scrape it, whatever you decide to throw at it. So I think what it comes down to is once you've determined that it is actually degenerative, and we know that this is a person that is not going to be able to 
move the same way that they did when they were in their 20s and 30s, then we have to figure out ways that we can approach it and maybe train around it, maybe train everything else and not train it at all while we're trying to get symptoms under control and then figure out where we want to go from there. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is we can't be afraid to work these people hard. We can't be afraid to load these people up. There is just a potential limitation that we have to deal with. So you mentioned oftentimes if it is more severe, there could be range of motion limitations. So that's kind of rule number one for me there. So I'm going to figure out in my initial assessment, whether this be a patient or a client, it's like, well, what range do I have? You know, what range are they able to, to, to do safely, comfortably, without symptoms? And that kind of gives me an idea of what I can load. So um, when I think of things um, in terms of movement perspective, they ask kind of what kind of exercise. I like to look at things on a continuum. So for, for instance, we talk about a, um, a squat, for example, and if the back squats in the middle of that continuum, we can work across that continuum to make it more ankle or knee dominant. So we're shifting forward to like a front squat or an overhead squat, or we can go the opposite way. We can shift it more hip dominant, and then we're moving to more like a low bar back squat or even a box squat. So for me, it's say this is a knee, and just the common the common one here is is a knee issue, and full knee flexion is an issue. I can shift that and make it more hip dominant and move to more of like a box squat variation. So that's kind of the overarching theme there is that I'm I'm one, I want to load these people and I want to do so safely. So I got to figure out what range do they have available, and then how am I going to maybe adjust along these continuums uh, for certain exercises. So that way I can still load them safely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just pick a, picture a real common scenario that you see in your clinic all the time. So think about an elderly lady or an elderly man that comes into your door and he's got that bone on bone arthritis and is, he's only going to be able to flex his knee to roughly 90 degrees. And that's all you're going to get no matter what you do. We need to figure out a way to add external load. We need to figure out a way to squat. We got to have these people independent with the ability to get up and down from a chair. So squatting to a box is a really nice way to do that. It's easy. And you can actually use a box, a plyo box or a bench you might have laying around. If not, just grab a chair. And basically what you want to do is find the lowest box that they can tolerate without pain and actually you know, express that movement properly. And that's what you train into. And uh, that's a very, very simple modification that we use all the time in the clinic is you know, post-ops, arthritis, whatever it is. Um, along those lines too, um, I, I like to think about the kind of the shoulder version of this as well. So say you have someone with bone on bone degenerative arthritis in their shoulder and they can only reach up enough maybe to scratch their head. Um, we know that these people need to build press strength. They need to be able to push open doors. They need to be able to you know, push things in community carts, things around their house and they're doing manual labor, stuff like that too. So if they're not going to be able to press overhead a landmine, right? That's an angle barbell sticking it in, you know, maybe you bought a landmine for your squat rack or you just stick it in a corner of a room in your gym that allows a person to press at kind of a 45 degree ish angle. And you can get strong off of these kinds of things too. Um, and a lot of times it's a way that someone can press in a pain-free manner. And uh, that's one of my really, really quick go-tos. We use a lot in the clinic as well. Yeah, and we can use that same idea from a pulling perspective too, in terms of that same plane. So maybe they're unable to get full shoulder flexion or full, uh, you know, reaching up over their head to where uh, something like a, a pull up or a true vertical pull is is not really going to happen for this person. But that doesn't mean I can't do some type of high to low row, maybe attaching a band or something up on a pull up, uh, a pull up bar and creating a pulling angle that allows me to get as vertical as possible for that person. In addition to already doing maybe some horizontal pulling, so you're really just trying to identify what's the range of motion for from a lower extremity perspective and an upper extremity perspective to be able to determine what you can train so if we're 
you know, we've got pushing, we talked about pulling, we talked about squatting. If we're going to talk about hinging too, well, we can just modify the range of motion there. Maybe this person's not going to be able to pick something up off the ground, but that doesn't mean we aren't doing something. That doesn't mean we aren't doing a rack pull or an elevated surface deadlift or switching to something. I know you love to use the trap bar because you can uh, adjust the height of handles, especially if it's one that has like low handles and high handles. And now you're limiting range of motion, but you're still getting some hinging in there too. So now you're able to train all of those big major movement patterns that we always talk about, pushing, pulling, squatting, hinging, trying to get some single leg work and maybe some carries in there too. You can still have a really comprehensive program for this person working again around whatever limitations there might be. Yeah, absolutely. Trap bar, rack pulls, grab two kettlebells, set them up on some blocks or some steps you might have laying around your clinic and you can kind of have a makeshift trap bar there. Uh, lots of ways you can approach that, but you got to keep in mind that this is a way to train around a knee, a hip, maybe a spine, maybe an arthritic spine, someone that might have had, um, you know, a lumbar fusion. And these are ways where we can get strong because people have to have the ability to be able to pick things up off the ground. Very functional. Yeah. So I think um, we kind of hit that into the spectrum from uh, how would you incorporate maybe some standard resistance training, but what are your thoughts, Brandon, on incorporating speed or power training with this population? So if we are not incorporating speed or power training, we are definitely doing them a disservice, right? Think about a little old lady that needs to get across the street if a car's coming. They got to be able to book it, hit that second gear. Right? What if they're in a crowd and someone bumps into them? They have to make a quick reaction to make sure they don't fall, right? So how are we going to train speed? How are we going to train power in this population with someone who does have a really arthritic and a painful joint? We got to figure out ways to do it without impact, right? So a couple quick ones that come to mind, med balls, right? Every elderly person that comes to my door is getting some type of med ball work. And you know, the simple way I like to differentiate in my head is we're going to go light and fast, working on speed. We're going to go heavy and fast, um, if we're working on power. Um, I realize that, you know, it gets a little more complex than that, but that's how I explain it to patients. So, you know, maybe we're going to do some slams. Maybe we're going to do some throws. There's endless opportunities, endless possibilities um, to, to implement that into your practice. And so med ball should be a standard piece of equipment in your clinic. Yeah, and I think um, there's no reason you can't start swinging a kettlebell too, man. I mean, I had, uh, you know, a, you know uh, my my elderly population, geriatric population in the nursing home doing some kettlebell swings, man. There's, you know, that's another way I love to uh, incorporate some some more aggressive hip extension, uh, as you mentioned, training more speed and power. Are we talking about real kettlebell swings. Uh, so for me, you know, again, it, it comes back to, okay, what's their, their range of motion that they have, but also, uh, you know, what do they really need to be able to do? So you have that that. I guess, controversy between more of a Russian kettlebell swing up to eye level or more of an American kettlebell swing, kind of an extended range of motion up overhead. And for me, unless, you know, you are doing a particular activity or training for an activity that requires you to do kettlebell swings overhead, like a CrossFit or something like that, for me, I stick more to eye level. I think it gives you what, it helps me accomplish what I'm trying to do there, which is more of a violent, aggressive hip extension move. Uh, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And so a heavy Russian kettlebell swing accomplishes that with me. And plus in this population, we already mentioned if they have some shoulder flexion limitations getting up overhead, well, I'm probably not going to try to force that, right? I'm not going to like try to jam up into their maximum range of motion there with a, with a kettlebell swing all the way overhead. So something more like a Russian swing, um, I think would be really appropriate for that population. Yeah, no, I love that. And just some common modifications we'll make with that is sometimes we're trying to teach this to people. A lot of times we'll put a towel around the handle, kind of make that lever arm a lot longer. It makes it easier for people to kind of pick up on how to do the hinge to begin with. Um, you know, maybe we'll work on band pull throughs uh, ahead of time as we're trying to teach them that pattern um, a little bit advanced beyond putting the stick on your back, working on the dowel hip hinge classic movement there. But yeah, kettlebell swings are great. I think, I think there was a study that said that a 50 pound, I'm sorry, 200 pound man can put 800 pounds of force to his heels with a 50 pound kettlebell swing. So there's a lot of, a lot of implication there uh, as far as building someone's power. 
And so also thinking about you know, non-impactful ways to build speed and power. Uh, there's one movement I like to do a lot, I call them pre-jumps. And if you can imagine in your head that you're gonna set up as if you were gonna do a vertical jump and you explode vertically, you know, arms go overhead, you get as vertical as you can, you get you know, a violent amount of hip extension, except you don't actually come off the ground. You might end up on the balls of your feet, might end up on the tiptoes, but you have people that just cannot tolerate impact. That's a really, really nice way uh, for some folks to have general arthritis to be able to you know, work on that task, work on that type of pattern. Now, don't get me wrong. If they can tolerate jumping, I am going to get my elderly people jumping. But if it's too much to tolerate, that's the way we can train around it. Yeah, if they can tolerate some jumping, one thing that, you know, I will do with that population is a, a low box jump where um, it raises the surface of the landing, which is going to decrease the impact, right? So if they can tolerate some jumping uh, and, and they're you know not fearful of, of like a box jump or something like that, it's a way to have them, again, work on that violent hip extension, really being aggressive and, and exploding up. But then the elevated surface does decrease the amount of distance they're traveling on the way down, which is going to lessen the impact a little bit. So um, obviously, I'm going to teach more proper landing mechanics. You know, we can even have those soft bio boxes that we have in the clinic too. Um, and, and if we can incorporate something like that, man, I'm going to take advantage of it. Yeah. It's just, just get, get creative what you do. So if you want to trade power, you want to trade speed, um, be, just remember that the exercise is just the vehicles to get you where you want to go. So get creative and, you know, think about how you can individualize it towards the person that comes to your door. Other thing I want to talk about was groundwork, right? Mm-hmm. Not even just the groundwork, just the act of getting up and down from the ground. That's something that I feel is often neglected, but can be the difference. Uh, it can actually be life-saving in a lot of cases. Yeah, I think there is a lot of data out there showing that your ability to get up and down the ground is predictive of uh, you know, all-cause mortality. Um, and, and so if we're thinking about helping these people extend and live long, um, you know, high quality of life, um, you know, for many, many years, our goal is to really make sure that they can get up off the ground using as little assistance as possible. And that means as little assistance with their upper body, as little assistance of pulling up on something, you're trying to get to where they don't need that. And that's so I think groundwork's an awesome option there. Um, and, and so even, even for people who are asymptomatic with, uh, with their, you know, again, this example of osteoarthritis or a degenerative issue, it's like, you know, anybody as we're, as we're getting older, we need to maintain that ability to get up and down. Yeah, you'd be surprised with how many people come to your door to let two to three decades go by where they haven't gotten them down from the ground. Seriously, people will avoid it like the plague. So you, you got to keep in mind that in, in the U.S., there's still over 250,000 fall-related deaths every year. And it's not so much the actual fall that kills them. It's the complications from you know, being in the hospital. Maybe they get pneumonia, some type of infection, or maybe they had to get a total joint replacement and got a DVT, something like that. So it's something you want to avoid at all costs, right? So People that come in, the type of groundwork we're doing, if I can get them doing a Turkish get up, that's going to be my number one preferred, but that's not realistic for a lot of people. So sometimes it's as simple as, okay, we're going to practice getting up and down from the ground. There's no rules. The only rule is just be safe, right? And it's just making sure that we take some intentional time to actually do the groundwork and actually get it done. And you'd be surprised with people that can't do this at all. And you know, they work on it consistently for you know two weeks, maybe a month, and then they become really, really independent. And that's a pretty powerful thing. And again, life-saving, like I said earlier. Yeah. So um, I did want to, uh, as we're maybe getting closer to the, the end of this conversation, kind of take it more into the gym, a little away from the clinic with somebody who's maybe not, not there for, for a symptomatic reason. Uh, it's just more of a, an older athlete or somebody who likes to get after in the gym. So what I would call a master's athlete. Um, so this, this population, like you, you, know, you mentioned, Owen mentioned the question, 50 to 70 years old. Uh, for me, there are some considerations when I'm designing training plans for those people. Uh, and, and the number one thing I'm concerned about and focused on is their ability to recover, right? So as they're getting, you know, as somebody is getting a little older, uh, I've got to make sure that I'm very 
you know, cognizant of, of their ability to adapt to what I've given them. Because, you know, this population can still adapt right? They can still get stronger. They can still build some lean muscle mass. They can still, you know, build up their, their aerobic capacity. They can get more fit, but I have to make sure that I structure things in a, in a way that allows their body to really adapt and to really progress. So for me, things, considerations I'm, I'm taking uh, as, I'm, as I'm programming for somebody, first is I'm really monitoring when I'm going into these intense efforts. Because as someone's been training a little bit longer, as they've been, gotten a little bit older, when they do a maximal effort, they can turn their light bulb on really, really, really bright. But it takes a little, bit, a little while before they can do that again right? Versus somebody who's maybe not as developed, the nervous system's not as efficient, they haven't trained as long. They really aren't turning that light bulb that bright whenever they're doing something that's maximal to them. So they can do that more frequently. So for me, I'm spacing out some more of those big, intense efforts. Um, and, and for me also, I'm trying to group more of the same type of movements from a movement pattern perspective on the same day. So Whereas somebody that's maybe a, a little bit younger could tolerate, you know, full knee flexion on three or four days out of a week, I'm probably avoiding that too much with this, this older population. I'm going to try to put more of their full knee flexion activities on the same day, and then maybe work on more of a different pattern the next day, and then maybe a different pattern for that. And then maybe I'm coming back around a few days later and going through full knee flexion again. I'm just spacing that out a little bit, a little bit more, just because their tolerance to that's going to be a little bit different. So uh, just some, some different uh, considerations when you're working with somebody who's maybe more of an athlete. This is, again, a different part of the conversation, but somebody that is a little bit older, been doing this a little while, I'm probably going to, you know, space some things out, group movement patterns together. And again, recovery is key for that population. So I'm really going to be monitoring that closely. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. That's, I mean, that's very applicable in the clinical setting as well, too. You, you push somebody too hard too soon, sometimes they're not going to come back. So I, th I love that. And I think one of the things you said about the beginning is, it starts with recognizing that these people are capable of making adaptations just like their younger counterparts. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to do this real quick too. So let's do a little uh, a scenario. So let's say you've got 70 year old man comes in. He's got the works, right? He's got degenerative arthritis in, in knees, hips, spine, even hands, right? This is a person we know that we need to add external load to. So what would be a quick modification you would do to squat adding external load? Oh, you're asking me this question. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Um, so, Just for example, right? So, we can't, so probably not going to be able to hold a kettlebell, right? Probably not going to be able to get a barbell on the back, right? Mm -hmm. Because they got it in the shoulders, too, right? Right. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah, that's the list. Got the works. Sometimes you see people like this. Sometimes yeah. it's sometimes it's actually more like a rheumatoid factor. That's what yeah. I mean. If I can, honestly, a, a light vest, if I can put it on there, a weighted vest is a great option here. If I can get somebody, it doesn't even have to, it doesn't have to be heavy. Again, the load there is, is more, is not really the important part there. It's just the fact that you are loading it externally. So if I can put a vest on, um, which we have a few in the gym over there, nice things, the gym and clinic are attached to each other. You can walk across the way, grab the, uh, grab the vest. It's a great way to load them up. Uh, what I think is pretty a safe way to do it. Yeah, man, best, best number one go-to. Also like the sandbag for this. And we actually, it's good to fill this up with sand bells as well. Because mm -hmm. sand bells are soft, right? So, you know, again, keeping in mind someone's got hands that are just crippled with arthritis. You can get them in a zercher position, right? Mm -hmm. Barbell's a little uncomfortable with putting the crook of someone's elbows. Sometimes the sandbags are really good for that. Um, the sand bells themselves for someone who can't tolerate a lot of load, really, really easy. So, you know, dig in, that kind of thing too. So, vest, sandbag, sand bells go with it. Maybe a couple pieces of equipment you want to think about adding to your clinic your gym yeah it just shows you there's rarely a, a situation where you can't come up with some modification that's going to work for that person so uh it's part about being creative um and that's kind of another fun part about this job and getting to work with this population is that you have to be creative and you get to be creative so 
Um, as always, uh, if you haven't already, please uh, subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, leave us a comment or a question. Again, that's how we got this one from Owen. Again, we appreciate it, buddy. Um, it's We're getting close to that 100 reviews that our goal that we're shooting for. So if you take the, the eight seconds it might take to leave that review, five stars preferably, we'd really appreciate it. And if there's something you want us to talk about, you know, throw it out there. Put in there a comment, question. Send us a message on Instagram. It's where we get a lot of our, our comments to. Uh, again, that's at Better Faster Podcast. Or you could send it to either of us at Vertex Strength or at Vertex BT, and, and we'll try to, to incorporate it into a future episode. So again, thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you all next week. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at Vertex PT.